there in just a minute. But I'd like for you to go to um, John chapter 14. We are going to get to that eventually. The title of the message tonight is Thankful for God, the Holy Spirit. You know, we read about the Holy Spirit right at the get-go in the Bible where when creation was going on, it says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, when we think of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it really is a fascinating study. And sometimes it's like, I don't know how to make hide nor hair out of this. We're going to have a good time with this study. I, I am getting into this not as a theologian, but as observations from the Word of God that have blessed my heart. We're going to get a little bit technical down the road, you know, but for right now, let's start out with this. Rejoicing in what the, fa- what the Holy Spirit is for us. There's one particular passage I'm going to take us to that I love specifically what he does. Now, when we think about the Holy Spirit, what's say one of the first things that comes to your mind when you think about the Holy Spirit? Name it. Comforter? Excuse me. What else? Part of the Trinity. Yes. I, pardon me? Indwelling, yes. By the way, Mike reminded me of something that really there's not been enough uh, preaching here when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm thankful that he did that because now I'm going to make sure that we very much include that in this series. I'm going to talk about it even a little bit tonight. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, There are things like this, comforter, we've heard these things, the the fact that he indwells, and we're going to see something here about that. But I rejoice in this. I know from my Bible, like I've said before, that our God is as much on this earth right now as he was 2,000 years ago in Judea and Galilee. And in fact, He is as much in this room with us as he was with the disciples there in Israel. I find that fascinating. Remember we talked about, I talked about, I should say, how I was was enthralled with Psalm 63. Oh God, thou art my God. I kid you not, I'm I'm still, I'm, I'm still loving on meditating on that. But let's also, very briefly, you don't have to turn to them. Maybe I should give them a list, give you a list. But listen to these verses from the Old Testament. Judges 634. I just started reading in the book of Judges. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, etc., etc., So he came upon him, Judges 15, verse 14. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. This is talking about Samson. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire. His bands loosed 
from off his hands. So we're hearing something about the Holy Spirit, the fact that he comes upon. 1 Samuel 16, 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, this is David, in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Now again, he came upon him, but he did not dwell in him. Isaiah 61, 6. This is interesting. You will recognize it immediately. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. That is spoken by Isaiah, but that was prophetic because Jesus quoted that passage about himself. Luke chapter four. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Going to the New Testament, listen to what Paul told the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians 3. Verse 17, now the Lord, I'm just quoting a a snippet here. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Now stop And consider that. That is wonderful. I've been telling you that the Lord does a work in our life. And he does. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. Paul tells us here, it is the work of the Holy Spirit that is doing this. He's taking us from glory to glory. This is something that ought to bless our hearts. You know, there are people that grab hold of young people. And in Hollywood, they try to mold them into what they want. There are people that are in business schools. They will try to take young people. Or in, you know, the Ivy League schools, they will try to mold them into (laughs) idiots. You know, who will you know, stomp and scream and protest at the drop of a hat. Anyway, you, you know the point I'm trying to make. Isn't it great to know that the God of heaven is doing this? By the Spirit of God, he is seeking to bring us step by step into the image of Christ. Now, you read your Bible, I read my Bible. That blesses our hearts because there is nothing better than being made in the image of Christ. We want to be prayerful about it, but we want to see it happen. We 
yield ourselves, we rejoice in it because that is absolutely fantastic. As he brings us along, remember what Christ said, greater things shall you do because I go to my Father. Jesus Christ was there in Judea. He was in Galilee. But you take one million, two million, three million people that are in the image of Christ around the world, and look what happens. I'm reminded of this constantly because I read John 3.16 in my devotions, and then I read Revelation 20.15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You know, it was great to hand out gospel tracts while we were gone and talk to, you know, certain people here and there. You wish you could go with the tract sometimes. I handed a gospel tract out to a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old while I was waiting for my wife's favorite food at Panda Express this afternoon. And I said, now, you, you read this, but then you show it to your parents. Why? This is the greatest message. The gospel is the greatest message. The Holy Spirit does the work. He takes the word. This is one thing that we need to be mindful of and prayerful of. In Galatians 5, you know, I, I'm getting, we're going to get to John 14 real quick. In Galatians 5, we read in verse 16, this I say then, when it comes to the spirit that we have, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. And then the works of the flesh are listed. But then Paul lists, but the fruit of the spirit is, and you know the list, Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, I left something out there. I'll be, I'll be going over that later on. But the Holy Spirit does not come upon us anymore. He indwells us. And what a time now. We look back at the Old Testament and we see those people. I'm reading Samson right now. Can you imagine Samson? People think, you know, here's a guy, he's got real muscles. I think he was just an ordinary looking fellow. But when the spirit came on him, you, you know, you talk about Superman times 10. That's what he did. That's what he could do. But now, praise God, we have the Holy Spirit now. And there's nothing better. Like I said, we're turning from glory to glory in Christ. And if you're going to find a Christian, an example of Christ, you're going to find love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Now look, if you would please, John chapter 14. I'm going to get to John 16 real quick, but again, our, our, our focus is on the Spirit, so I'm going to catch Christ in mid-discussion. Look at verse 15, John 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. 
and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Now, I've explained this before, I believe. If you weren't there, then praise God, hear it. In the Greek, there are two words that will translate another. One means another of a different kind. Then the other word means another of the same kind. That's the word that is used here. The word comforter is one that means literally called alongside. Stop and think about that. There is never a time that God is not with us. He has come. He has taken the place of Christ with the believer. But he never, never leaves. That's not the end of his ministry, not by a long shot, as we're going to see another situation. But that's a joy. I talked to you about these other things before we started broadcasting. I talked to you about these other things, <coughs> and I don't know, you know, you would, I'm sure there are other people that have, you know, observations as well. But this is something that concerns me. We have programs and we have activities. And I think these things have been used to cover up the lack of the work of the Holy Spirit. I think it has been used as a substitute for the Holy Spirit. Because with these things, we can gin up excitement. We can get a crowd going. And all of a sudden, the need for the Holy Spirit becomes less and less. I mean, you, you just, you know, you hear about some of these situations that go on in some mega churches. That's not good. I was hearing a, uh, I, I was hearing uh, a, a, a big church, I can't remember where, but people were doing all kinds of antics, big auditorium. And the man, the pastor that was in the pulpit while all this was going on said this, don't worry about the spirit that is making you do these things. I couldn't believe it. They kicked the door open to the spirit of the wicked one. He could come in. He could, and he said, no discernment. You don't need any discernment. The Bible tells us to discern the spirits. You know, <laughs> another spirit can have you knock a guy, you know, in, in the face with your fist. That's not necessarily the work of the spirit of God. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Go to verse 17, if you would. Even the spirit of truth, now Think about, the, think about the implications of that. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you 
and shall be in you. We're looking around right now and we're thinking, my soul, the world is going nuts. And by the way, it is. And we wish, you know, oh, mercy. You know, what's happened to, well, common sense or whatever, but what has happened to discernment, wisdom, etc.? They don't know it. The wicked one has made his way in. We're looking at this, and we are, as we observe, Romans 1 comes to mind. We're looking at people, and we're recognizing, thinking themselves to be wise, they became fools. I am so glad that with careful deduction from God's word, we can understand the times. And, and, and I believe that that has lacked in some churches. We, we have places, and this is why they've kind of gone off the rails a little bit. We have places that have substituted the Holy Spirit for whatever feels good. You know, the, for, for a culture, a, 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 a desire to use culture rather than Christ to bring a crowd, get people in. People talk about, oh man, you know, I love these mega churches. Listen, you can have a crowd, but that doesn't mean you have a church. And there is discernment that is so very much needed. It's tough enough today. This is why, you know, I pray, folks, let's, let's do it right. Let's do it right. By God's grace, let's do it right. He says in verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. <laughs> I'm so glad for that. You're not going to be an orphan. I will come to you. God the Spirit came. Now, would you please go to John 16? John 16. Now, once again, I'm catching in mid-thought. Verse 7. And to me, this is key. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient that I go, that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because of the prince of this, because the prince of this world is judged. Now, I just flew through that. There's a lot there, but that's not the focus of the message the point is, though, there are some things that could not be done while Christ was here. He needed to go to the cross. He needed to, write, he needed to die. He needed to be risen from the grave. And then, when he was sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, the Holy Spirit would be sent. Verse 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Now, I know there are commentaries that say he was initially talking about 
the disciples and how they would be guided into truth and be able to write these things down. And what would happen is that's where the, the uh, gospels would come from, the epistles, and I can understand that. But from that time forward, God's people have been guided into truth. It was so good to encourage somebody to get into their Bible early this morning and tell them that, look, there's a couple of things that you need to remember. Number one, the Bible interprets itself. Number two, the writer is there. The Holy Spirit, you seek the Lord, you'll find him. Verse 13 again. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. I love the first part of verse 14, the phrase, he shall glorify me. If there are people that are glorifying the Holy Spirit, they have the wrong discernment in the Bible. If they're glorifying the Holy Spirit, they're not putting the focus where Christ said the focus should be. Christ is the one that saves us. Christ is the one that died on the cross, that rose again, that intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ. We are not glorified, or excuse me, Christ is not glorified because people are going after things that try to make them look good. It's whatever makes Christ look good. We are to be humbled before him. We humble ourselves. In due time, he lifts us up at his pleasure. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Verse 15, all things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. We'll be going into that a little bit more down the road. Go, if you would please, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm trying to race through this, but I don't want to lose anything. Spiritual power, bottom line, spiritual power is the consistent exhibition of the characteristics of the Lord Jesus in the believer's life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, etc., etc. That is done by the work of the Spirit. Jesus said, he shall glorify me. The Holy Spirit comes. His fruit, love, joy, peace. Christ is being glorified. But there's one other thing that I want to dig a little bit into that I'm so glad for. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Again, catching Paul in mid-thought. In whom ye also trusted, speaking of Christ, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed, listen to this, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You ever bought anything? You buy a car. 
What does a car have? It's got a four wheels. <laughs> Maybe I, know, I shouldn't fish on this. It's got a title. Now, with some of us, we have, we, we have had the wonderful thing where the title isn't in the, 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 the chest of drawers over at our house. It's in a drawer over at the bank. And, and, you know, we're spending all kinds of time, you know, getting that paid off. By the way, there's one thing I really like about renting a car. You get to drive cars that you can't afford. I remember when my wife and I rented that BMW. I had made fun of some of you for so long. And then we got into that Beamer. And next thing you know, a CRV just doesn't cut it anymore. <laughs> you know, and, and, and then, you know, I'm in, my, I'm in my 09 Dodge Ram that's growing gray hair just like me. And then Carrie, you know, Carrie Granby, well, yeah, never mind. You know, it's just, I, I'm teasing. <laughs> yeah, it never ends, does it? It's just. But there is something that goes on with us that is such a blessing. Listen to this. Where he says, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The word sealed literally means to set a seal upon, mark with a seal. If the fruit, there was examples from back in biblical times. If the fruit is sealed, then everything is in order. The sealing is the last thing that must be done prior to delivering. This is a statement that is made of fruit back during this time, back during Bible times, that helps Bible scholars understand, okay, this is what that word is used for back in general use during this time. It tells us, oh, that's what that verse means according to the Apostle Paul when he uses this with the letter to the Ephesians. Now, by the way, there's a lot I was reminded that with the book of Ephesians, it was a letter that was made to distribute and take around to all the churches. They needed to hear what was being said here. Let him seal a sample, there would be. I gave the letter sealed to a messenger. This is from Moulton and Milligan in their vocabulary of the Greek Testament. In the Schofield Bible, there is a note that is set aside. The Holy Spirit is himself the seal. When we were saved and received the Holy Spirit, there was a seal put on us. We belong. We can't lose it. Three things it signified. A seal, according to Usage in New Testament times, bringing it here, a finished transaction, ownership, security. Three things that word is used as God places the Holy Spirit in us permanently. Permanently. We are sealed 
God does not break that seal. When the Holy Spirit is sent, he is there to stay. Look at verse 14, which is the earnest, speaking of the Spirit, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. According to Vincent, another Greek scholar, the word earnest here defines it as, quote, caution money deposited by a purchaser in pledge of full payment. I'm giving you this pledging that I will pay the rest. The Holy Spirit's The Holy Spirit is God's part payment in the salvation he gives the believer, the believing sinner. That part payment guaranteeing the full delivery of all parts of the salvation given. I forget who it is that breaks it down like this. They're just, you know... grabbing stuff here and there. But I thought this was good. There's three parts. And this is what excited me decades ago when I got to, you know, doing word studies and stuff. Number one, there was justification. The removal of the guilt and penalty of sin and the bestowal of righteousness. Jesus Christ is given at that moment the sinner puts his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Pow! You have the righteousness of Christ. But then there is sanctification, the the ongoing work of the Spirit in the life of the believer. A present possession in which he eliminates sin from the experience of the believer and produces his own fruit. As you have been saved, you're coming along and as there are things that fall away because you have the, you're a new creature in Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit brings the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is the image of Christ. How many, how many of you, were, when you were in a youth group, uh, and, and we, you know, I, you know, we sang this with the kids, you know, and stuff, <coughs> Things I used to do, don't do them anymore. Uh Uh-uh, things I used to do. How many of you saying that? One. Come on, Brad, we'll sing. I'm just kidding. It's been a new day since I've been born again. Places I used to go, don't go there anymore. Uh Uh-uh, place I used to go. See, you get the idea. Have you changed since the day you trusted Christ? then you know what I'm talking about. You know what the Bible is talking about. There's justification, immediate. But then there's sanctification, it comes on. But guess what? There's one other thing that comes. It's glorification. The act of God transforming the present bodies of believers. How many of you are waiting on that? Praise God. Into perfect, sinless, deathless bodies. That's what we are waiting on. 
This is what the Holy Spirit does. We are sealed. Our down payment is made. The full payment comes. Expositors says this. The word purchase possession, the phrase, expresses the general idea of preserving, acquiring, gaining for oneself without specific reference to a price. All of these things taken, it's ours because Christ paid for it. The price, we can't even begin to measure it. The final redemption of this possession is glorification when the physical body will be the recipient of the work of salvation. In other words, we receive our new body. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You're in Ephesians 1 right now. Could you go please, please go to Ephesians 3? Look at verse 16, a familiar passage. Verse 16, that he would grant you, according to the, he's, Paul is praying, to be strengthened with might by his spirit, by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. We know what's coming. We have the justification. We're living out the sanctification. One day there's going to be the glorification. But right now, this is what we are observing, Lord willing, reading the Bible, surrendered to him, etc. We're growing in this, the knowledge of his love. Now, there's another area. Go to Ephesians 6. Now, we know the different parts of the armor. But watch this. Look at verse 17, Ephesians 6. And take the helmet of salvation and the what? Sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I, I think that's fascinating. Here we are, while we are growing in Christ, by the Spirit, we are armed with the Word of God, guided by the Spirit of God, to use it for His glory and to go to the sinner and tell him of salvation and if he rejects it, of his doom. Even a nation even a nation. Then, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication. How? In the Spirit. See, these are the things that come to mind when I'm thinking about, you know, like when we get together on Wednesday night, we've talked about, you know, petition. There are, there, there are areas where we need to be in earnest. We're going to be talking, <coughs> excuse me, we're going to be talking, Lord willing, this Wednesday night on earnest prayer. Earnest prayer. 
because there's so much that's going on in the world. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Now, in closing, in Ephesians 5, we're familiar with this, 5.18. And be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The word filled simply means controlled. When a person is drunk with wine, are they in control? Not doing good. We want the control of the Spirit. I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and stop and go ahead and stop there. But I, I, I've, I'm looking forward to going more in depth into the work of the Holy Spirit here because we need him. This world needs him. Our nation needs God's people that are being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Um, when you get into an airport, and there's a lot of people. I mean, that place, Chicago Midway, was nuts. Yeah. Boy, there are some things that we're missing. And I'm fearful that God's people, in general, in general, God's people are a little crippled right now because we don't, we, we don't think along the line of the present presence of the Spirit and his, his guiding us according to the will of God, the Word of God. Like I've said to you before, as a Christian, my desire is to do it right. Because there is, there is no Christian life 2.0. This is it. When we get to the end of today, not only is April over, I can't believe it, but we're not going to live through this day again. Now we're, we're starting May 1st. It's a wonderful time to be a believer, isn't it? By God's grace, may we understand the comforter that the Lord has given us to live that life right now. If but for anything else, like we heard this morning, I want that mountain. Not for my glory, for God's. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for these dear folks. Thank you that they're here. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us all. Give us discernment. Help us by your grace, Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth. Help us to be passionate about what you have given us as, as, as goals, as a, a, a mountain to claim, as it were. Lord, may we love one another, love you fervently. I pray in Christ's name.